right, give us a thumbs up, everybody uh, in the viewing audience, if you can hear Kevin. Kevin, go ahead and just just say something. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Uh, hopefully, we can get this thing going. Hope everybody's here. It's gonna be a great interview. I'm just gonna go and share from the heart. I tried not to like you know be scripted. <laughs> so. Gotcha. All right. Well, hey, let's, uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and move forward. Uh, once again, this is when men open up and show where we are redefining manhood through transparency. Uh, I'm Dexter Peggins. And I'm Dominique Bond. And listen, we have a, a, what I know is going to be a very powerful show. Uh, you know, one of the things that me and Dominique, uh, that was important to us when we first launched When Men Open Up, uh, was to create a platform where men could talk about issues that are uh, normally quite difficult to talk about. Uh, we wanted to provide a safe space and we wanted to model what it looked like for other men so we could start to begin to have these conversations around the area of healing and not only healing but, but really finding balance uh, as it relates to being men. Uh, and one of the things that we also recognized the need was to have these difficult conversations and to show people what it looked like. And so uh, a few weeks ago, we actually had our first episode of uh, I'm a Man and I Was Molested. And uh, if you haven't had the chance to view that, it's actually on YouTube right now. And uh, we were fortunate to have uh, Mark Jenkins here from Augusta, Georgia, uh, talk about uh, his, his molestation as a child. Based upon the response of that particular video, we recognize that, you know, we need to give more attention to this area. And so from that uh, recognition, we put out a response to the audience and uh, we were actually really overwhelmed with how many responses we received uh, from people wanting to talk about their their story. And so uh, today we are honored to have uh, Brother Kevin here joining us today. Kevin Williams, uh, live from uh, California. And uh, he's going to be sharing uh, his story with the molestation and his story about uh, how he overcame, uh, you know, dealing with that trauma. So, Kevin, if you wouldn't mind, uh, introduce yourself to the people. Just tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, uh, <clears throat> so my name is Kevin Williams. I'm from California, born and raised in San Jose, and um, 38 years old, soon to be 39. Um, I'm a father of a 15 year old daughter. Um, I have two sisters, my mom, of course, and um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm. Two years, almost three years clean off of drugs and alcohol. And, um, yeah. That was good. Life was good. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Well, hey, listen, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get ready to go uh, for, you know, in this interview. You know, and we, we had the benefit of actually talking with you previous. Uh, to you coming on to the show, and, and I know that after we had that conversation with you, uh, when I spoke with Dominique, I said, "Man, this guy's story is, is amazing." So, 
you know, without further ado, you know, we're going to dive right into this uh, conversation on tonight. So, uh, let me ask you, we're, we're talking about men, you know, we're talking about molestation. Um, can you share with the audience your, your, your experience, um, and, and what happened to you? So, I was, I was five years old about, I don't know exactly, but I was around five years old and, um, my stepfather and a friend that, that came into the place where we were staying. Um, I, I was sleeping. I, I remember being alone, and they were they were getting ready to go out for the night, right? And then my my stepfather moved. He he went to the the next room, and his friend was in the room with me. And he like pulled my pants down and like you know fondled me and things like that, right? And my stepfather came in, seeing what was going on, told him to stop, and then they both left for the evening. And um, I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on. I remember having this feeling of, um, why, why are they leaving? Did I do something wrong? And they left me there by myself. You know, back in those days. It, it appeared that it was okay for parents to, you know, like leave kids alone by themselves, go to sleep, I'll be back, type, that type of thing. So I remember being left alone after that. And um, my, mo- my mother came home. I'm not sure how long after that it was, but she came home. And she was wondering why my parents were down. I, I didn't really have an answer. And that was that. It, it pretty much got swept under the rug. Nothing else was said or done about it at that time. So that was the first molestation. Did you want me to continue? Uh, no, we're, we're definitely going to uh, go a lot further in this conversation. And, and for you all out there, if you have any questions for Kevin, please feel free to uh, type those questions in the comment box and uh, we'll, we'll make it a point to uh, ask Kevin those questions. And so... Uh, you said that was the first molestation. Uh, what about the uh, subsequent times? Uh, so the second, the second time I, I was molested, I was older. Um, again, I don't know exactly how old. Maybe eight, nine. I was, I was at one of my my cousin's house. I used to spend a lot of time there. It seemed like during the weekends, I was all, I was always at this cousin's house. I loved being over there. And, um, his cousin was older. We were in the room this one particular night and he was, we were looking at porno books. I didn't really know what I was looking at. I just remember that I wanted to be part of, so I was looking at them with them. Um, at some point, he pushed me against the wall and, and forced me to perform oral on him. After that happened, you know, he started crying. He started praying, asking God to forgive him, and he begged me to not say anything. So I did. And um, I remember, I remember after that happened, us being called to dinner and sitting around the table 
with my uncle, my aunt, my my other cousin, his sister, and him, and just um, acting as if nothing happened, moving right along as if everything was normal. And to be honest, at the time, I didn't really think that anything was wrong. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I really like this cousin, and to this day, you know, we're close. However, at the time, I just brushed it under the rug because I didn't think that it was that bad of a thing. So let me ask you, you said the, on the first time with uh, your stepfather's friend that your mother came into the room and uh, found you with your pants down. Um, what was her response other than just seeing you with your pants down? Was there any anger? Was there any trying to, you know, get some uh, answers, some, get some questions answered, maybe even uh, confront um the stepfather's friend so they weren't there and again um i'm like five so this is all stuff that's coming from my subconscious so this is as i remember it mm -hmm. as i remember it i just remember her coming in and you know wondering why my pants were down because i didn't i didn't i didn't pull them up myself i just kind of just laid there and went back to sleep so when she came in she was asking me like why my pants are down i'm just like oh, i don't know you know, um, I'm sure that they talked about it or maybe she brought it up or maybe she didn't. I really don't know. I just know that I was never brought into a conversation. I was never asked. He never asked me like, hey, did anybody touch you or anything like that? So it was just something that, oh, okay, whatever, we're moving on. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Nothing going on. So... From from the the incident with the uh, your stepfather's friend onto your cousin, um, you know these were were two men who uh, molested you. Um, can you talk about how that impacted you um, in your adolescence and, and coming up into your early adulthood? Um, absolutely. Something that I've thought about a lot. So, part of it was, the part, the part that, that has really bothered me my whole life is, you know, I didn't want to be gay, right? And the part where my cousin told me, don't say anything, and I sat there at dinner and, you know, acted as if everything was okay, it kind of made me feel like, I liked it, to be honest, right? So there's this thing that happened to me. I liked it. I didn't say anything about it. So now I must be gay. I didn't want to be gay, right? This is growing up. Uh, people in, you know, people in the black American community, just people in general, when I was growing up, being gay was not something that was a good idea. It wasn't something that everybody uh, embraced with love. So it was something that I was very shameful of. On top of that, I was never able to like be the type of young man that I thought I should be. I thought that um, I didn't measure up. You know, um, it, a lot of a lot of my insecurities come around uh, my ability to 
to be like a Mac daddy, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Another thing that I know a lot of pressure that I had growing up is the pressure to be, you know, promiscuous, to sleep with a lot of chicks, to be a Mac daddy, to be a player, all those things, you know, and um, I wasn't that guy. I wasn't that guy because I was shy and I wasn't that guy also because I have this big dark secret that I couldn't share with anybody. And I feel like that was one of the main things that kept me from being like everybody else. Hmm. So can you, so there were there any other, um, Instances where um, a molestation after that? No, not not molestation. No. Okay. Now, how old was your was your cousin when when it happened to you? You said you was about eight or nine. How old was your cousin? Um, probably fifteen. Sixteen. Okay, and that was the only time it happened. Yes. Okay, and you you stated that you know your relationship with him is okay right now. Um, you know when was how was the last or the the conversation when you confronted him about it or questioned him about it? How how did that conversation go? So when this happened to you, did you ever blame yourself for it happening? You talking about when it happened when I was a kid? Yes. No, no, I didn't blame myself for it. No. Okay. Hey, everybody out there in the uh, the who's catching this show by way of Facebook, if you wouldn't mind, could you uh, put in the comment section if you can hear Kevin or not? I just say uh, we can hear you. Um, Kevin, uh, you know, my because we we did jump. So when when you picked up, uh, you mentioned that 
uh, you were you're married, and so uh, from this time of adolescence, moving in, transitioning into uh, you know young adulthood, um, you find yourself married. What what happened? I guess between that that phase of uh, maybe high school to to your first marriage. Um. So. So, between high school and first marriage, um, I found myself exploring, and, and you know, so let me just throw this out there. It's still a little difficult for me to talk about openly. I've been doing it. Uh, I've been sharing my story here and there, um, but it's still a little difficult, so just bear with me a little bit. Um, so, actually, during junior high, I started started exploring, right? Started going places where I knew that men hooked up with men. Um, I was super young, and I started exploring. Um, like I mentioned, like, after the second time that it happened, I started wondering, like, am I like that? Did I like it? And those thoughts led to me wanting to explore it again. So between, um, like, junior high and the first time I got into my ser- my first serious relationship, um, that was, I was 21. And, you know, I, I was hooking up, hooking up with guys on the, on the down low. You know, trying to find something, trying to find some kind of uh, identity, some kind of acceptance, some kind of um, to fill that hole. I, I don't really know what I was looking for, but I know that every time that I hooked up with a dude, I came up empty, and afterwards, I hated myself. There was a lot of self hate, you know, a lot of disgust, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. And that's when, like, my disease really, like, took over. So then I would just, you know, cover up that, that hurt and that pain and that shame with drugs. Well, I got the bright idea that if I was married, a woman would make me, make me whole. She would fix me, right? So I, I, I got with this woman. You know, she, she was very loving. Uh, she had a, she had a, a family. She had two daughters already and, you know, I, I jumped into there and I, I became, you know, the stepdad and the husband. I was I was young. Um, I wasn't ready to be a husband. I was still um, confused, really. And I was still I was still like a young man pretending to be a boy. I, I, I tried, and you know, our relationship lasted for seven years. Um, but I, I primarily got married one because I wouldn't have to be confronted with the fear of talking to women and not being able to, being a Mac daddy, not being able to, not knowing how. So I got married so I wouldn't have to do that. And I got also got married so that, um, so that she could fix me. And so when you say fix me, what do you believe you needed fixing from? From, from being, from being gay, from sleeping with guys. I felt like if I had, <laughs> if I had a relationship where I could always have sex with a woman, 
that I wouldn't have to sleep with a man. So uh, you mentioned that this was your first marriage, which means it came to an end. Um, what were the circumstances between uh, with that marriage coming to an end and, and what did that look like transitioning into uh, being single and uh, to your next relationship? So um, well, we, had a, we had a good marriage for a while. I was I was employed. Um, I was always, I, I was always drinking or drugging though. And uh, towards the end, I started using meth. And, and you know, like the drugs and the alcohol, that was. It's, I, I keep bringing it up because it's an important part of the story, right? So towards the end, I started. Uh, for a long period, I didn't do anything. I didn't. I, I wasn't, you know, creeping out. I wasn't cheating. I wasn't doing any of that. Towards the end, towards the last year of our seven-year relationship, um, I started using meth, and meth just opened up this whole beast within me, and things went south fast. I mean, I started, I started, um, you know, hooking up on the internet. Uh, Craigslist was big back then, and you know, just. It was bad. It was bad. So between her finding, I wasn't that good at covering up my tracks either. <laughs> so between her like finding out stuff, me being on drugs, and just being a complete asshole, our, our relationship came to an end, and I moved out. Once I moved out, um, I was free to do all those things that I was not free to do while living at the house and in that relationship. And needless to say, things went downhill very fast from there. Now, now, when you said things went downhill, can you kind of go more in detail on how things went downhill uh, for your marriage? Well, when I was when I was at home, I was a functional addict. I went to work. I was trying to hide my drug use. Um, I was going to work daily. I was trying to participate in the in the family dynamics. Um, once things got bad and I moved out, I didn't have to pretend anymore. I didn't have to hide. Uh, so I ended up getting, actually I moved out and got fired from my job uh, a couple of months later. Uh, my drug use went through the roof um, and so did uh, my sexual activities. So, so the, thing with, the thing with meth um, it, it allowed me to, like all the, all the, all the things. It, it allowed me to just like all the walls came down, right? And where I was just trying to figure out like who I was, like it, nothing mattered. So I went into I went into all these situations with complete abandon, and again. Like I mentioned, every single time that I was in a sexual situation, I felt this shame and guilt. So you can imagine just over and over and over and over, just layer and layer and layer of, of hate and shame and guilt that I was building up just between the, the drug use, 
and the, the, the sexual activities, it, it was, it was a lot. And it, it got, it got to be a little overwhelming, uh, to the point where I lost my place to live. Um, I lost my job. I've, I've lost all communication with the family for a while. Uh, going in and out of jail. And I was homeless. When you were, um, find yourself, uh, hooked on drugs and, you know, even with the, um, your, your lifestyle choices, um, did, did you attribute that to your molestation or, uh, did you think, did you, you know, just chalk it up to this is just how I want to live? You know, what, what was your thought process back then? It, it all, it, it all always was attributed to the molestation. And it was always a, a battle. Like, if you're doing this, Kevin, then you might as well just accept it and 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 be happy with it. And I've, I, I've approached that idea before, but it never, I was never able to just sit with it and accept it. And for a while, I didn't know if it was because I didn't know if I would be accepted, which I'm sure that was part of it, or if it, if that just wasn't me, that just wasn't my get down, even though I was partaking in it. Hmm. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, how do you even wrap your mind around that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing it, but I don't like it. I don't want to do it, but I continue doing it. But yes, to answer your question, it all boils down to the molestation. And you stated before you you continue doing it just to for yourself to see if this is really who I am or or is this not who I am, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was searching. I, I was searching for something. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I. I don't know. I haven't even like fully worked out all of it in my mind to just come to a concrete decision about, you know, so I could outline it for you. I just know that I was doing it and I didn't like it, but I felt like I was trapped. Hmm. Meth is a hell of a drug Hmm. and it makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do. For everybody who's uh, joining us right now, uh, we're speaking with uh, Kevin Williams. Uh, Kevin Williams, um, as a young man, was uh, molested, and uh, he's come on uh, Women Open Up Show to share his story. Uh, if you all have any questions that you would like for uh, Kevin to answer, please feel free to add those questions to the comment section. All right, so Kevin... Um, you mentioned earlier that you did uh, have an opportunity to uh, confront your cousin. Uh, my question is, you know, were you able to confront uh, the friend of your stepfather? And if, if so, um, what was the circumstances behind that confrontation? Um, no, no, I wasn't able to com- confront the friend. Um, Recently, I was able to confront my stepfather. Mm. 
the, the circumstances behind that were, um, so he, uh, he, he hit on me straight up. My, my, my stepfather hit on me. And this happened like, like a month ago. Um, he was asking me some very inappropriate. Okay, so our, our relationship, our, our relationship hasn't been close. You know, he, he just got out of prison and he got out of prison and, you know, I, I kept my distance. I'm in recovery. You know, I, I make good decisions about who I want around me, have strong boundaries. And part of my boundaries, he was on the other side of it, right? And, you know, at some point, my heart softened a little bit, and I and I wanted to, you know, have some forgiveness in my heart. And I was supposed to go and pick this guy up, and take him to a super late Father's Day lunch. And as I'm getting ready to go to his house, he's he's asking me these super inappropriate sexual questions, and I was in shock because I'm a 38 year old man now, right? And I, I couldn't believe that that he was he was hitting on me, and I didn't really get it at the time that he was. I had to share it with somebody else, and they told me that's what he was doing. I just knew that I just knew that my my internal alarm bells were going off. I didn't like the way it made me feel, and you know it, it made me feel like a little a little kid again, with no option. Um, so at that time, I was able to confront him because I've already, at this point, I've already done a tremendous amount of work to get to the point of even sharing this with you right now. So when this happened with him, I'm just like, I, I confronted him about what happened, how it's made me feel my whole life how it made me feel right this minute when he said that hmm. and why I'm not going to allow him to be part of my life moving forward. And that, that, that gave me the power and I felt victorious after that. So. So how else when you, cause he was there when, when it happened to you, um, did he did he say anything specifically to um, what his friend did to you? No, no, he uh, he denied it. He acted as if it didn't happen. And like I don't know, like I Kevin don't know what I'm talking about. Never happened. He doesn't remember. Like it was nothing. And in all fairness to him. He probably doesn't remember. I mean, you know, I don't want to speak for him. I'm sure he remembers. But he's so, he's so fucked up in the head, even now, that <laughs> he, he's, just a sick, he's just a sick man. So I, I don't know where his level of consciousness is. I don't, I don't want to speak. I don't want to give, you know, uh, excuses for him. I don't want to excuse him. I just know that he denied it. And he didn't don't have any ownership over it. No apologies, no nothing. And why would he if he's like trying to hit on me again? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
And and for clarification, you you say this happened. He tried to hit on you a month ago. Um, yeah, was that about a month ago? Yeah. Okay. And was that the first time you and him had the conversation about you being molested by his um by his friend? Yes. Um, so we kind of jumped around again. So the the whole reason that it came up is because um, it's because of uh, the you know I have when I was out there prior to my second marriage, I contracted HIV, right? Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that. That was another thing that um, that kept me out there. You know, it it, it kept me out there. The, the shame and guilt, all time high. I wanted to die. Um, I didn't think anybody was going to, you know, love me or want to be around me or anything with me. And I wanted to die. You know. So uh, fast forward. You know, I seen him at this place where people who have HIV go get services. And the only reason that anybody would be at this place is if they have HIV. And lo and behold, I see his ass there. <laughs> but, you know, we didn't want to, I didn't want to, like, approach the subject with him then, and he didn't either. So, again, it was just kind of like, oh, hey, you know, a little uncomfortable. So a month prior to him hitting on me, uh, we were on this road trip, and... I asked him, I was like, so how long, you know, you, you, you had HIV, da, da, da. And we had that conversation. So with that conversation, that opened it up for him to know that, you know, I was in this community, these are some of the things I've done, blah, blah, blah. And it made him, and that, I'm sure that made it a little more comfortable for him to take it to the next level on his end. We uh, we have a question uh, for one of the viewers, and uh, it says, "What would you say was was key in initiating your journey towards healing?" Good question. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know that there was healing with being molested. The key to my healing was to get off of drugs and alcohol because a lot of the pain and a lot of the choices that I made when I was loaded came from the the drug use. So my main goal was to get off of drugs and alcohol, stop going to jail, stop being homeless. And in the midst of working really hard to stay clean, healing started happening for the molestation as well. It, it opened up a road to walk down that road of healing. Um, does that answer the question? No, that was that was great. Uh, you know, let me. I, I will follow up. Uh, I have a follow up question. That would be, you know, what do you hope would come f- from, uh, you know, you sharing your story? It's my hope that nobody suffer in silence. Right, I don't understand the, the the magic and the power of verbalizing your pain and sharing that pain with others. But just me being able to do that 
has opened up a world of possibilities. I mean, just me sharing it now, you know, takes away the stigma. It takes away the the secret. Um, I'm just I'm just able to get it out. I mean, it, it, it's as if you know, if I hold those secrets in my body, the pressure builds and builds and builds. And as I let it out, like as if I was popping a balloon, you know, I'm free. You know, so I know that for. 20, 30 years, I've kept this secret. And only when I started sharing it was I able to, you know, be free on the inside. So I would hope that people who have walked through this, this, this journey, you know, similar to mine, that they just have the courage to stand up and speak about it. Definitely. Uh, my next question is is pretty similar. It's probably um, going to have a similar answer, but you know this this also happened. This happened in your home, you know. So, uh, what do you have a message for the parents as well? For, for the parents. For parents, any parents out there, um, do you have any a message for them as well? Because um, this is something that, you know, normally we believe um, happens outside of the family. And this this happened, you know, you experienced this from um, your stepfather's friend and your cousin as well. So are, is there anything, you know, you want to say to the parents, whether uh, how, you know, based upon how your mother and your stepfather reacted and responded um, to your situation? I would say pay attention to your kids, you know, first and foremost. You know, every, everybody whose family is not friendly, and most of the time it's, it's going to be family members that, you know, create that offense. Um, I would have, like my daughter, I have the conversation with her, like, look, like straight up, if anybody touches you, Either one, beat their ass if you can, or just run. Pick up something, protect yourself. Don't just sit there and, like, let somebody touch on you, you know? And I've never had that conversation. And I, I think if, if I would have had, somebody would have had that conversation, you know, I would have been able to protect myself. I would have been able to vocalize and stand up for myself, you know? Like, I get my daughter, like, she's a maid. You know, she's 15. But, I mean, we have to empower our kids to either, one, stand up for themselves, speak up for themselves, and point people out. Like, there's this whole, like, um, you know, let's not embarrass them or let's not bring shame to the family or, you know, um, you know, we're black and we have enough issues going on and we don't want this to be on top of that. Like, there's all kinds of crazy um, wrong belief systems that, that we have as a community, you know? And it's not just one family, it's not just one person, it's collectively, we we, we do this. I mean, yeah, like people like suffering in silence, you know what I mean? And it doesn't even have to be that way. Um, I feel, because I'm blessed, I'm truly blessed that I'm at this point in my life and it's for a purpose. And you know, I try to like rationalize why I had to 
I had to go through uh, two divorces because that, that shit was hard too. Uh, HIV, drug addiction, to get to this point, but it's all for a purpose. I mean, God sent me in a place to like help men break free of the prison that we put ourselves in. Or not that we put ourselves in, that we're in because of the things that, that have happened to us. So, yeah. Man, that was powerful, brother. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want to give opportunity uh, for anybody out there who might have a question for Kevin. Uh, please feel free to put it in your comment section. Uh, in our remaining excuse me, our, in our remaining minutes with him, just want to uh, you know give you all the opportunity if there's a question that you would like for him to answer uh, to come around to that question right now. Uh, so, Kevin, you know, while we're waiting on a few people to, to chime in, um, so overall, what would you say your your healing process, what what did it look like? You know, you mentioned, uh, I believe you mentioned, um, you know, the recovery uh, from, uh, you know, drugs and, and other, uh, I believe, alcohol as well. Uh, is there any other thing that you can say contributed to your, your healing process? Yeah, it's... Um it's understanding. And, and what that looks like is, I understand that because I was molested, I went down this path, sleeping with men, getting HIV, et cetera, et cetera. It's not necessarily that I was gay, that's why I did it. It was because I was molested. Now at this point in my life, have the freedom to choose if I want to or if I don't. But before, I felt like I was doing it because I was gay. And just the under, just that understanding that I have the freedom to make the choice made all the difference for me. Hmm. Hmm. Are there any other questions? Um, and, and we're talking to the audience right now. If you have any other questions, please, uh, please post them right now. And we'll get to them. Um, I, I know, and I think he he basically just answered this. But um, uh, somebody asked, did did he feel empowered to say no? Um, I find that we raise children to obey adults, and in times like this, children don't feel they can say no. Um. No, no, I didn't. I, I, you know, thinking back, I just, I didn't know, I didn't know that anything was, that anything was wrong. And it was with people that I loved. But I especially didn't think anything was wrong. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking and I didn't, I, I didn't think anything was wrong. So, I trusted them. And there's no way that they would, because I trusted them, because I loved them, that they would, like, hurt me in any kind of way. Right. Mm -hmm. Kevin, let me ask you this, and, and uh, this will be my last question. Um, if if you were to uh, come across a, a man, a young man, uh, who, who shares a similar story to yours, having been molested, um, what advice would you give to them as far as 
um, them getting uh, healing from that trauma? conversation with um, your cousin and your stepfather but you wasn't able to speak with your stepfather's friend but someone wants to know when is the best time to confront your relatives confront the relative yes um I, you know that's a, that's a good question as well I would say when you're able to when you're able to stand up to them, express how you feel without expecting them to apologize. Mm -hmm. Because it's very likely that the offender will either deny it, will lie about it, will put it back on you like it was your fault, you know, you did this, you look like this, or it was your fault or whatever. So if you can just get to a place in your healing where no matter what they say, as long as you got it off of your chest, that's when you can do it. And that's that's obviously, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I, I got it. Through, I, I got at my cousin when I was drunk. You know what I mean? In the heat of trying to cover up some shit that I did, that wasn't a good idea. It backfired on me. Hmm. So once you have some healing yourself, 
and you're able to stay it without expecting anything or whatever they say, that's when you should do it. Man, that's that is sound advice right there. Man, uh, you got anything else going? I don't have anything else. Kevin, uh, man, we really appreciate you being willing to uh, come on to the show uh, for sharing your story with us. Um, I already know that this uh, your your message is going to impact so many people, man. So, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to see the thank yous right now. And so, uh, on behalf of our, our listening audience, once again, man, thank you for your willingness to come on here, uh, your transparency. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll yield these last few minutes to you uh, in closing if there's anything that you want to say.
right, guys, we really appreciate you joining in. Please let us know your thoughts, uh, your your opinions, your feedback. Give us some feedback. Uh, we're going to be doing this for the next few weeks. Uh, yeah. we, we do have a few more weeks left uh, for this series. This is our second episode, but this is our first episode of the series. So uh, once again, we're going to be doing this for a few weeks. And, uh, you know, it's, it was it was very, very heavy. Uh, we it could have went a whole lot longer. Definitely. Um, yeah. But, you know, give us some feedback. What was your thoughts about everything? Uh, if you're if you tuned in late, I encourage you to restart it because there's a lot of you know important details in the beginning. But once again, we really want to uh, educate and bring awareness to molestation, child molestation. This is something that happens frequently. This is something that is much more common than we believe. This is something that many of us are just uneducated about. And since we lack the knowledge and education of it, we are, you know, our kids are very vulnerable. And so now the question is, how how are our kids vulnerable? How do we protect them? What are some things that how do we respond? How do we react and so forth and so forth? And we believe that this is going to really bring in some awareness, highlight some um, issues that we have based on our understanding. So we're really excited how everything unfolds with this series. Definitely. And, and I think one thing you'll notice, uh, you know, as we progress through uh, having these gentlemen on the show, you'll definitely start to hear some recurring themes. Yes. And so, you know, even with that, you know, just ask that you, you know, give some attention to maybe some things that are going on in your own household uh, because you may be actually, you know, safeguarding uh, maybe your children or somebody who's dependent upon you. And so, uh, once again, we just want to say thank you to Kevin for joining us. Uh, powerful show. Uh, please leave your, your comments in the section. And even if you have uh, future questions for uh, the upcoming uh, guests, uh, feel free to, to post those, inbox us. And uh, we'll be sure to ask them when they come on the shelf. So once again, thank you. All. And another thing, if you know someone uh, that should share their story, let them know about what we have going on. Uh, we're not saying that they have to share their story, but let's let them know that this is an option. If they feel like they're ready, uh, this is a you know safe space to to share their story. If they, if they say they are ready, they are more than willing to contact us uh, via inbox or email us info at womenopenup.com and you can also go to our website womenopenup.com but once again this is Women Open Up a show where we are redefining manhood through transparency my name is Dominique Bond and I'm Dexter Perry and we are out we'll see you next week thank you so much it's cutting into your exercise time it's stabbing you in the back nine and it's attacking your peace of mind it's pain and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live CBD Medic targets your pain at its source It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.